0: welcome to episode 34 of the avatar hour podcast your ultimate companion podcast to the world of avatar i'm andre
1: and i'm kayla
0: and today we are discussing the similarities and parallels between nickelodeon's avatar series and disney's star wars franchise because
1: i haven't stopped mentioning it since we started the podcast like at least every other episode
0: (laughs) We had to do it. But before we start, we do want to warn you guys that this podcast will be mentioning spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, Rise of Kiyoshi, pretty much any Star Wars movie slash property, um, but you are free from spoilers regarding The Shadow Kiyoshi as well as any Avatar Universe comic books. Today is an especially exciting episode because we are joined this week by the host of the Bending Not Breaking Avatar podcast, Sunshine Mayfield. How's it going, man?
2: Hey, it's great. Thank y'all so much for having me on. Super excited. I uh, got to listen to some of y'all's episodes today. went through and did some of that um, and absolutely love it. So super excited to talk some Avatar and Star Wars because they're, they're two things that I really uh, enjoy. So thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: well, Thank you for listening. I know you're I, I've been following you on TikTok because you're doing Same here a full watch of all everything Star Wars. Is that right? Are you still on that?
2: Yeah, I'm still doing that. That was uh when I announced that I was going to do that, that was kind of like a, this could be fun to do this year if this pandemic thing continues to like do its pandemic thing. And uh, I I mean that by like people ignoring this pandemic thing, I feel like is the kind of where it lands. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, this could be fun. And to be honest, like I don't, I was never like super gung-ho Star Wars, but I knew that there was so much out there.
1: There is a lot.
2: And I was like, I I wonder if I would really dig a lot of the stuff that's like, in canon, but in the outside of like just the movies themselves. Um, And so I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's see if it's possible to do it in a year. And so I like did the math and figured out that if I could, if I can like contribute around 15 hours a week to this, then I should be able to complete it in a year. Um, And I'm on pace, but it is, it is a lot. And like, there's, there's segments where it's like nonstop television watching. And then there's segments where it's like, I think I'm on my like tenth book in a row, uh, and so part of me is like, I'm so tired of listening to Audible. Um, <laughs> I just want to listen to like music for a little bit. Um, but other than that, like it's it's been fun, and I found some stuff that I really enjoy. And then there's been some stuff where I'm like, meh, I'm take it or leave it. So right, but um, but it's been fun. So I'm I'm excited to kind of get get through it. But yeah, and then we're still doing the we're still doing the Avatar podcast on, uh, and we're on Cora, so I'm still having to like pause my star wars watches right. to make sure i'm i'm watching cora um <laughs> or else my co-host would would be very upset with me <laughs>
0: so exactly i mean like 15 hours that's like almost a part-time
1: job yeah like, <laughs> that's impressive
2: yeah l- i listened to audible at like 1.4 speed uh is is the first trick and then i've, I've probably uh spent some work time uh <laughs> reading comics um on like lunch breaks and things like that so are you
0: going um, I forget are you going like chronologically or just doing as much as you can?
2: Chronologically. So wow. it's um which is uh, I don't know if I recommend that being the way that you go through the, the like the universe um mm-hmm. cuz a lot of the stuff I've never gone through before. So like I still haven't watched Rebels, I still haven't um like I hadn't seen Clone Wars all the way through prior to this. So there's been a lot of like cool like this this makes sense uh but I wonder if it would be better if I went like in release order. I think probably the thing that has thrown people off is that my introduction to Thrawn was the prequel, the first Thrawn prequel book. And I Mm -hmm. still haven't seen anything else from Star Wars from Thrawn. And people are like, that's not how you introduce Thrawn into your world. And I was like, well, you know, we're just going in order. So we'll (laughs) figure it out. That's very interesting. Um, But yeah, so it's been fun. Awesome.
0: Well, that's a great segue into starting this conversation. And we're going to sort of set the tone um, and talk about, how Star Wars it, um kind of like started with us, our own personal relationship with it. Kayla, do you want to start? Yes. Like how how did how did Star Wars start with you? Let's say that.
1: Yeah. So I was one of the kids that grew up with Star Wars. Like uh, I remember, I distinctly remember I was like, I think six years old and my dad comes out to me and he's like, tells me like, Hey, this is a really cool movie. It's called Star Wars. And like my brother's sitting in the room with me and he's hearing this. And he's describing like what's happening in it. And I'm like, Eh, not really not for me and then he's like well there's a princess character in there and she kicks butt and she's awesome and i'm like sign me up let's go like Mm. that's literally what got me into star wars was uh my dad sitting in front of the tv with like vhs tapes that's how he watched the original trilogy was on vhs tapes um and like just as i grew up like i remember my brother got this one i can read book that was like the story of darth vader so basically the prequel uh series and i'm like dad there's more Star Wars movies. Like, I was so excited to hear about that. My dad, meanwhile, was probably like, oh, God, no. I hope this day would never come. Like, my dad does I've not. i created a monster. My dad yeah. does not like the prequels at all. It's really funny because I love them. But that's a that's a topic for later, maybe. But anyway, <laughs> I would like my dad. Like, Star Wars movies were, like, my motivation to do well at swim meets because my dad would buy me the next one, you know, episode, you know, Phantom oh. Menace. I'd earn, like, you know attack of the clones maybe that's why it's just strong like visceral like <laughs> attachments to the prequel era in general i love the clone wars all that stuff and then when star wars kind of came back into popularity with the force awakens then like just just hardcore back into star wars again like um i love all of it uh prequels era tends to be my favorite which is funny because people don't like that uh but anyway uh-huh. long story short i really love star wars and it's been a part of my life for a long time
0: interesting okay sunshine i know you talked about it a little bit but did did you grow up with star wars the same way kayla did or came into it later or
2: i didn't honestly so um none of my family were like big movie watchers for the most part and um i got into i had a buddy of mine in high school who all we did was just watch movies that was pretty much we'd we'd go over to house and and just hang out and watch a bunch of different stuff and so that was I, i don't think i even saw star Wars until i was probably like 16 years old mm-hmm. and i was i'm i was like yeah this is fine like i did i had no there was no negative issues with them i was like this is this is fine um and then i i didn't love the prequels watching them uh for the first time i um there's something uh, it was uh i always had issues honestly i know that people love and have like a very nice sweet spot for revenge of the sith um but like Palpatine yelling power as he's like shooting people with lightning was something that I was just like, I couldn't get over. <laughs> it was like Sokka's sneak attack while like trying to do the <laughs> sneak attack. Um, and I've, i I had issues with some of that stuff, uh, but sure. I think that's the kind of the kicker with all star Wars stuff is I think that uh, it's for people to have fun with it. Right. So like, there's no reason for me to bash people who love, those those movies Mm -hmm. because there's there's multiple reasons why people could enjoy that there's multiple reasons why people could love and connect with different characters and like who am i to sit there and tell you that your experience is invalid through that process um just because it's something that i didn't resonate with um i feel the same way about like i i don't love the sequel trilogy which is weird i realize that i'm saying i don't love a lot of star wars (laughs) as i go through the star wars challenge um but I recognize that, like Ray Skywalker was, is such a a pivotal character for a lot of people, um, and so it's the same concept of like I, I don't understand why the fandom of Star Wars itself kind of like lays into people heavily, um, for liking certain characters or getting along with certain characters. You saw, it, I think, when Mandalorian came out, and people are, you know, Grogu, Baby Yoda got a bunch of people into Star Wars. So I don't think would have ever watched Star Wars before. And you yeah. see people who are kind of like, oh, I can't believe that's the reason you're watching Star Wars. And you're just kind of like, what are you? T- like, he's adorable. And <laughs> um, why, like, why are we bashing anyone who wants to come in and be a part of this experience with us? Um, I think I love fandoms in universes and diving into like the expanded lore, both in Avatar, both in Star Wars it's so weird to me when you try to keep people out of that, I want more people to talk to that stuff about that stuff with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's always been, that's been a weird part of experiencing this kind of star Wars journey is uh, diving deeper into the wonderful sides of the fandom, but also kind of like the maybe sides that I don't really want to hang out with that much. (laughs) So Right, right.
0: And you see them in all fandoms, so... But, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, For me, I mean, I'm kind of with, with Sunshine on this. I came into Star Wars very, very late. Only when the sequel trilogy was coming out did I feel like, okay, I feel like I, I, I missed this giant train, and I want to be on this new train with everyone else. And so I remember it was... I was... 2015, Um, so it was, like, my senior year of high school... And I would, like, go home, do my homework. And then, like, for the next six nights, I would, instead of going to sleep, just watch the Star Wars movies, like, on my phone, literally. And that's how I watched the movies. And I remember being like, I can see why people like it. I mean, it's fun. It's campy. It's got that, like, the original trilogy has got that, like, like vintage sort of charm to it. So, like, I, I get it. And now I'm, like, really excited to see what they do next, right? And I was there for every opening night of the sequel trilogy um i personally prefer the sequel trilogy over the the other two installments just my thing i i have a very different relationship with star wars than most people i was i was a harry potter kid so that was my star wars back in the day um but yeah and i and it's interesting for me and kayla because this is the exact opposite of how we came to avatar because for avatar that was a giant childhood thing nostalgia thing and Kayla came into it late, later in life. So it's, it's interesting how we've kind of flipped on that for Star Wars.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mine was high school more so, but still a lot later in my life than, you know, some other people in the fandom.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, so cool. We're going to get into the discussion, but we're going to put out a second disclaimer here because we know that Star Wars, we know a lot of people love it and a lot of people really, really, really love it. And we, we're going to have some opinions today, and it's not an invitation to uh come into our DMs and tell us how much we suck for liking Rey or whatever. That's We're just going to say that right now. We're just going to be talking everything about Star Wars. You know, if that's going to be a problem, maybe, you know, take a deep breath and come back. Um, But we're going to split this discussion up into two main parts. So the first part, we're going to talk about. Mostly like the fandoms between Avatar and Star Wars and kind of how nostalgia plays into it. And then the other half will be talking specifically about um, character parallels, um, plot parallels between the series, that sort of thing. But first, I want to start with nostalgia because both fandoms are fueled by various degrees of nostalgia. And just for you guys personally, when you're watching something from your childhood, do you feel like it's... Harder for you to kind of look at it with a critical eye when you're looking through the lens of nostalgia? Or is it just not even a, a factor for you guys?
1: Well, if we're gonna use Star Wars as the example, uh Revenge of the Sith is my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh Attack of the Clones used to be my favorite Star Wars movie growing up, so don't don't start. <laughs> <Choices>. uh, but <laughs> shut up. Uh so like here's the thing. When it comes to like those movies, like I Literally tear them apart in the same breath that I talk about all the cool things about it, like uh-huh. I, the the you know Palpatine yelling Pow-ow! you know that whole thing. I laugh at that every single time. I think it's ridiculous, and I just you know I can, I can definitely see a lot more of like the the problems with it. When I was little, it was just like oh my god Star Wars, oh my god Star Wars, like all of that stuff. As an adult, I could see yeah this that line delivery was a little weird, or you know just like wow he is chewing on the scenery like it's a piece of toast or something you know <laughs> like but at this day also just makes you you know it's it for me it's not that difficult to look at things critically you know from my childhood and sometimes it's like you know whenever i i always have to put up a disclaimer whenever i say that revenge of this is my favorite star wars movie because i'm like i'd see all the problems with the guys i see all of the problems right. i am very much aware of them but I love it anyway, you know, so. Right. For me. And that's not to yeah. say
0: looking at something through a nostalgic lens isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just another way of looking at a film. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I'd, it's one of those things where I think uh, being the loving movies the way that I kind of have gone through life. I think I've always kind of put a disclaimer of like, these are my favorite movies versus like, these are the best movies. And I think there's almost like a, a, there's a way to kind of sit there and say like, I love these movies for all of its flaws, for what they represented to me as a child, for the way that I watched them. And I can likely still go back and watch them. Um, I think as we grow older, we should be recognizing things that we thought were uh, that, you know, in movies that we love, they're like, no, that might be a little problematic now. Like, I didn't think of that when I was 12. Well, yeah, you, you grew up, you, you learned exactly. You got more pieces of information. So, um, I think those are the things where it's kind of, how do you look at movies and and enjoy things for what they are? I think is you can love bad movies There are bad movies out there that people love because there's a connection with them. Like I made a joke the other day. Like I love Muppet treasure Island. Um, I've watched Muppet Treasure Island as an adult. It's kind of a slog, like it it, kind of like (laughs) it's not an easy one to kind of sit through, but at the same time, like you remember the songs and you remember the jokes and they make you laugh. And um, I think that, you know, as long as you you should be like reevaluating media as you rewatch it, but just be aware of what, you know, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Um, I think you just be aware of what you're enjoying. So going back and watching the, the prequel trilogy, you might be able to say man, like, man, I did not love Hating Christensen's uh, portrayal at all. Um, but at the same time, like it's kind of iconic now and super memeable and like that people kind of love him so much. It's like it was super weird when they announced Kenobi that he was coming back and fans were like, yeah. And I remember people being like, I was like, that was that's such a strange reaction because when he was cast yeah. and while those movies were coming out, people hated him. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm glad that people are stoked. Like, I'm glad that that's a thing that people are are ready for. So I think it just, as we watch things, enjoy what you want to enjoy. As long as we're not hurting people in the process or lifting up things that are hurting people in the process, um, then yeah, don't let people love what they love. And and I think you can recognize when stuff that you loved as a child is not necessarily good, but you like it anyways. Work
0: that makes a lot of sense. And the, you you said something interesting about the prequel trilogy is that. There are a lot more people changing their tune on it. Like there are a lot of people going back and being like, "No, like it's not that bad." Like <laughs> the amount of like YouTube videos I've seen where it's just like, pre- "Star Wars prequels weren't that bad." Dot 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 dot. And it's like a forty five minute video essay, and I'm like, "Work, I love this." But it's it's interesting because when the sequel trilogy was coming out, people were reevaluating the prequels and to some extent the original trilogy to kind of see how it it all measured up once we started putting more pieces on it. And I think people were starting to appreciate their prequels a little bit more because maybe they were finding things in their prequels that they thought was lacking in the sequel trilogy, whether it be explanations on something or just more world building in general. But it also sparked a lot of conversation about how you can still like something while also being critical of it. You know, and that's a very hard concept for us to like because we go through life and we like this thing or we don't like this thing, right? But like movies, it's like, you know, just because there's one, one or two bad things in the film doesn't make it a bad film. Obviously, right? If you if you liked everything else then you're probably going to call it a good film, you know? So it's it's like this weird balancing act. But for me, nostalgia is personally a little bit of a hurdle to get over when I look at things critically, especially for Avatar The Last Airbender, because doing this podcast with Kayla, I've had to try to not put that into consideration when I'm trying to look at the series critically. And there have been a couple of moments where me and Kayla have been like, oh, that was a little weird like that didn't really work out like so because i mean avatar is talked about like this perfect thing that happened and it almost very much is but there are with everything missteps along the way and that's that's interesting to talk about
1: it's kind of like they like people hold the at last airbender kind of like at the same like pedestal they put the original trilogy at Mm-hmm. and then everything that comes after that gets looked under the same like microscope you know that kind of thing sorry i just thought about that just now <laughs> sorry
0: well that's 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 our next point like how the parallel between people sort of putting the original trilogy, uh, trilogy of star wars and avatar the Last airbender as being like the epitome of this thing and everything else will never amount to that i know me and kayla are, are, are much more um even though i grew up with atla we still favor Korra just a little bit more um for very different reasons and I mean I don't know as a sequel trilogy lover I think in some ways it outshines the original trilogy but it it was also that thing of like Korra didn't rely so heavily on on Atla the way maybe the sequel trilogy tried to rely so much on the original trilogy but that's it's it's different considering when you're when you're talking about like the Skywalker saga and the nine film thing, but I don't know. Um, do you agree with that, Sunshine? Like how how people kind of put those first series as like this is it, and then everything else kind of trickles down in between and is, isn't as
2: good. Yeah, I think that happens a lot of times. Whenever, however, we're introduced to whether it's Avatar or I, I almost think of it in like bands discographies. Like typically, the first album that you listen to of a specific band like ends up being your favorite over time for the most part like it holds a special mm-hmm. place and so um i think it's tough if you especially if you latch onto a show and really love it i think you you automatically kind of set up expectations for what the next installment is going to be um i think that where our fandoms get i say ours like star wars and, and avatar get into their heads i think it happens in the mcu as well where people really like buy into their fan theories or buy into what they hope happens and then when that doesn't play out because that's typically not going to play out for everyone there's a little bit of like mm-hmm. oh they should have done this and it, it could have done this and this would have been better and um like I, I think for me it's like i love avatar i love cora honestly and it took me a while to get to Korra, but after rewatches i think it's just like for me, it's like Avatar was, I felt like written for a younger me and Korra was written for an older me. And like, I think that's that's how it kind of plays out. And agreed, I think it's just written for different people. But Avatar was really cohesive from from step one to, to the final episode. And then Korra was, you know, we never know if we're getting another season. And so like it felt disjointed yeah. in places. Um, but there's moments where I like Korra's reaction to things feels way more human to me feels way more real a lot of the times. Um, yeah. And, you know, I really love those aspects about it. So I think that people it's it's really easy to, to have a set up our own expectations of what we want the next thing to be. I think we do it with people. Right. We have we have our own expectations of what we want people to do. Um, and then when those don't happen regardless of whether or not the other person knew that that was our expectation, we feel disappointed. And I think that happens in our fandoms pretty often. Oh,
0: definitely. Like the, the role, like the idea of like expectations play into how people react to things is definitely, definitely a thing. I mean, like on paper, it doesn't sound like mean or rude to be like, I would have liked it if they'd done this because it's never ever framed like that. It's like, why did this happen? Why didn't it go this way? I mean, like you—you you heard it, Last Jedi. That was everything about that movie. Was was why did they do this? They could have done this. They should have done this. Blah 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 blah. And now, like the prequels, people are are changing their tune, especially after Rise of Skywalker. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, I prefer, I prefer a little bit of of what came after both of those series. But that's that's also not the case for some things. Like I would say, for the most part, the MCU. I mean. I I would say that most people agreed that things only got better as it went along. I'd also say that for like, I mean, I don't know anybody whose favorite movie is like the first Harry Potter movie, you know? So it's kind of like, kind of depends on like my dad, your dad. My well,
1: dad. <laughs> that's, the sorry, only person, that's the only person I can think of that actually likes the, <laughs> the, the, the like, you know, has the first ones as their favorite. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about a couple of other things. I mean, I I would say both fandoms have a strong social media presence and sometimes it's, um, not such a good thing particularly when that's taken advantage of and we're bullying celebrities off social media um because of racism and um there's also a lot of cosplaying between both fandoms and i've seen some amazing amazing cosplaying between star wars and avatar
1: i think like half the people i follow on my TikTok is, uh, like, cosplayers, (laughs) honestly.
2: Yeah, they're committed.
1: They're so creative. Holy crap.
2: A lot of talented people out there, absolutely. (sighs) Cosplay has never been my thing. That's, like, I've never even, like, dabbled or, like, gotten into that. Um, And so I'm always super impressed when people are like, oh, we 3D printed this and made all of this this stuff and
1: sewed so this entire costume based off of like the movie or a fan art or something Correct, yeah. like
2: nuts absolutely nuts
1: only con i ever been to i went i got a captain marvel suit off of the uh not ebay i got off of amazon that's that that's the extent of my cosplaying just something easy something comfortable and i'm just gonna walk around as mm-hmm. you know that that that's my cosplay
0: <laughs> i love watching videos or TikToks of people being like so this is the costume i'm gonna wear in nine months and i have to start now because i'm doing everything from scratch and it's like i 3d printed this and this and this and i'm like it's it's crazy i would do it if if i had the financial means honestly like it and the can, time in the time it can get really really expensive um but shout out to all the cosplayers out there i do want to talk yes. to some cosplayers eventually on the show but yes we'll get there it's on the list um and i would also say that the fandoms for both series is is a strong reason for why it's still around. I mean, obviously Star Wars has been around for 50 years yeah, or something. Almost 50. And I I'm interested to know like what it was like between like the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy because I mean, obviously back then the the access to like entertainment news and information wasn't as widespread and also there was a lot of closed doors but Nowadays we know when things are going to happen like years in advance, right? And people knew about the new sequel trilogy like a year or so in advance of, of it happening, probably before it started filming. So it's it's interesting to think about that, but I would say Avatar is also what's been the the fandom is what's been keeping Avatar alive. We talk about this many times on the show. It's the reason we do this show because we want to celebrate the fandom that is keeping this thing strong. And now we're getting all this Avatar Studio stuff, which would not have happened without the full force of the fandom wanting more.
1: You could also argue that, like, streaming services, like, having this, say, uh, like, ha- mentioning kind of, like, the accessibility a little bit of, to these things like, you know, Avatar and Korra, putting them on Netflix, I think. I mean, not that the fandom wasn't around, you know, still around, still kicking after, uh, you know, the sh- both shows ended, uh, but, like, you know, seeing the like having like a bunch of people get interested in those shows because of the access, you know, access to Netflix. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, like with that within this case of Star Wars, my stepmom just got into Star Wars because of the Mandalorian, you know, being on Disney Plus. You know, and then now we're also getting like a million more Disney Plus shows just to go along with like the million of Avatar content that's coming out as well. So mm-hmm. parallels, like we always like to find the show. I will say Star Wars, though, it had
0: comic books it had tie-in novels it Mm -hmm. had the clone wars the um the the series after the the rebels star wars rebels yeah that's star wars rebels it had a lot of things going on in between and for avatar i mean we had the graphic novels but other than that it was it was that was pretty much all we had books yeah and rise (laughs) of kiyoshi yeah but that was only i mean that just came out semi-recently too yeah so but the streaming services that is a good point because that definitely jump started avatar a little bit when both shows landed on Netflix and it was awesome watching people find it for the first time um personally the Disney plus shows for for Star Wars is probably some of the best Star Wars content I've ever seen I-, I can honestly say that and I can't wait to see everything else I got I got like the last season of the Clone Wars because I wanted to watch how it would tie into Revenge of the Sith, and I was extremely impressed, and now I want to go back and watch all seven seasons.
1: Please so. watch Golden Wars. Oh my god, I've been watching it this week, but I'll, I'll gush more later.
2: <laughs> it's so much. It was, it was such a big undertaking, but like, it's very doable. It's not like picking up like The West Wing, where it's like <laughs> right. hour-long episodes of twenty-two episodes, seven seasons or whatever. But it's yeah, it's a lot. It's good though. Um, I would argue that the movies of Star Wars are like my some of my least favorite things in canon um that a lot of the shows comic books and then some of the novels are really the things that i'm like those are incredible Mm -hmm. um where and i'm a huge last jedi fan it is it is definitely my favorite movie that's um, why you're on the podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> happy to be here
1: i haven't watched it since i saw it in theaters actually i probably should get onto that
2: <laughs> you should give it a watch and i love i loved it like and i think for me it was one of those things of i didn't have expectations right at that point again i wasn't a massive star wars fan and so seeing things on screen i was just like i thought it was one of the best looking star wars i love the character development like i think it was just
1: i can agree with you on that one. And, but
2: i'm also a stan for ryan johnson prior to the last sure. jedi like all of his movies prior I was I'm also kind of in the bag for him. So I was, I was going to like it most likely anyways. Um, but yeah, there's so many fun shows and there's a, just a slew of comic books that are, that are all really solid. So, um, I would recommend anyone who is kind of like on the fence of like, yeah, oh, I like Star Wars. Like it's fine. Mm. I think comic books, if you're into them, those are those are a good place to jump in and get yeah. started. I,
0: I I will say The Last Jedi, you know, when I saw The Force Awakens in theaters and I went to see it like four times, I loved it. <laughs> to me, it was such a great like popcorn movie to go see with friends. The Last Jedi for me was the movie that gave me chills. So like Force Awakens was like for like the very young Star Wars fan in me, and then just The Last Jedi was just someone who loved movies and I went to see it like five times over the years like I just thought I never understood I mean I do understand because I didn't go into it thinking Snoke was like Darth Plagueis or anything but um that again expectations it's it's a it's a bitch if you're if you're not careful but but spe- speaking of um the fandom hated last Jedi <sighs> uh we got to talk about some toxicity I think maybe Star Wars has a little bit more than Avatar but um I want to talk specifically about Cora and Ray because the parallels between them in terms of how people react to them is extremely extremely similar but I, I we we've, we we've talked about this a little bit but both have been kind of been labeled in Mary Sue and labeled unlikable pig-headed in Cora's case I would say though that I think Cora received much better treatment in the writers room um, than Ray ever did, but I can agree with you on that. I don't know. what I mean, what do you guys? What do you? I mean, we know it's misogyny, but like, what what do you think spawned the kind of reaction to to both of these characters?
2: Yeah, I think it's it sounds like a cop out, but the reality is it's it's misogyny, right? I think it's a it, it, unbiased, un, even if it's people not realizing that, like, or wanting to intentionally have that be the reason. I think recognizing that we are typically more harsh on female characters when they're written and shown to us in any media. Um, we typically hold them to a higher standard. And I think that you see, you kind of see that in the way that it's like, all right, Anakin, Cool. Oh uh, yeah, he's he's he he won a pod race, and his midichlorian count is like through the roof. Um, he's and, nine
1: years old; he can do this, right? And
2: then you know, if you're if he's if he's getting his pilot license from the fandom, they're like, yeah, we buy that he can sh- shut down all the droids. Um, Lucas, same deal. Like I've kind of right. flown a little bit, and you know, like I'm a, I'm a pilot, and cool. Death Star blown up; we're all on board. Ray's like, yep, I've worked on ships, I've done all the stuff, I've been on Jakku for eighteen years doing nothing but like defending myself and living by myself, and scrapping parts and flying here and there and people are like, "Man, nah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if I don't know if I buy it." Um, and I think right. for us <laughs> there is this ideal we we typically one line of exposition for male characters and we're like, "Cool, we're on board." Um, and then for whatever reason, it the reason being unchecked misogyny, it's we we need a litany of reasons why we have to believe that this female character is capable. Um, which is it's garbage, right? So, um exactly and calling it even like the term mary sue itself is just by itself is rooted in misogyny like the whole point was a you know a, someone was like oh, i want to see myself in this script for star trek and then fanboys of star trek were like ha what a terrible character and they're like i just wanted i don't want it to be like amazing i just wanted to see me in this fan fiction um, but men gatekeepers at the time were like, no, and now we're gonna name everything Mary Sue of characters we don't like. And yeah, so-
0: for me it's it's a red flag. <laughs> if I'm talking with someone and they they say Mary Sue unironically, I'm just like, like it's in that pantheon of terms that I hate when talking about films, like next to like Deus Ex Machina and Sen or whatever. Like th- no one ever actually knows what that actually means. And also stop talking about it. MacGuffin's another one. Yeah, but no, I it's so interesting to me and. I would say that that Ray has even more explanation to why she's as good as she is than Luke and Anakin ever did, but even that is not enough for people to believe that she could be so natural with the lightsabers or with the force or whatever it is. And I just never understood it. I was like it's 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 a fucking it's Star Wars. There' are people in space. Like, we don't need an explanation for, for why she's good.
1: It's space wizards and laser swords and magic. They don't call it magic, but it's magic, guys. <laughs> it's like
2: no one's ever complained, and not no one, I'm generalizing, but like yeah. S- Superman has gone unchecked for his entire career. People love Superman, right? Uh, captain marvel arguably like a variation of the character of superman and people hate captain she's overpowered she doesn't have to struggle through anything and you're just kind of like why are you mad at one and not mad at the other like at least be consistent with it but like people even arguing that horror doesn't go any is overpowered and doesn't go through any struggles i'm like you missed the first two episodes (laughs) if not the entire series um, like the whole point is her struggling through all of it. So right. Um. Yeah. Anytime someone says Mary Sue for Cora, I'm like, I you are. You did not watch the show. No way. There's no way.
0: Right. Not- because one of the hallmarks supposedly of Mary Sue is that they 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 don't struggle with anything. They they're just automatically good at everything. I'm like, like you said, the first two episodes of of Cora is her literally failing at everything. You know, and it's it's it just it's mind boggling to me. I just I just don't understand it and. Uh, I don't know. In in Ray's case, it was kind of like, I think the the worst thing the Rise of Skywalker ever could have done is affirm people's belief that she just got everything with no work, and then made her a Palpatine, <sighs> and was like, surprise story, and everyone was like, no, we liked her because she wasn't part of like the Star Wars royal family or whatever, you the know,
1: Kardashians of the universe, <laughs> all happy to the one family. But yeah, but like yeah. the. With like Cora and Ray, you know, I remember watching uh, Cora. I think maybe it was like a couple years after it ended, because I think it ended in 2014. Um, so you know, I watched started watching the show about three or so years, two or three years after it uh, went off the air. Um, and like I had never seen a character like Cora before, and Lenton, like she wasn't even like she was the main character of her story. She was. She had all the traits that people would usually give to male characters like she was arrogant, she was a bit hard-headed, you know that kind of thing. Um, you know that was that was so different for me and I absolutely love her for it. I still love her for it. Um, and then with Ray, I just I mean like my you know nostalgic memory or a little bit with watching the first like watching Ray catch the lightsaber. I'm like, this is the first time I've, you know, I know that now that we haven't seen, like, female Jedi in, like, the Clone Wars or, you know, in, like, some casting scenes in the movies with uh, the prequel trilogy. Um, but seeing her, like, catch this lightsaber, you know, and, like, watching her ignite it and watching her fight, like, I, I'm getting chills just thinking about that, like, how important that moment was for me. How both characters have uh, played an important role in my life. So I kind of gush a little bit on that end, like it's it was so totally. cool to see those things you know and it's, it's so disappointing to see that kind of hatred towards both of them you know and specifically talking
0: about like leia even everyone loved leia until she was flying through space in the last jedi and then everyone was like how does she know how to use the force and doesn't make it, it looks weird i'm like i i i haven't read a single like extended universe book and i know that leia was force sensitive I, isn't that in the movie?
1: <laughs> it's in. It's in Empire Strikes Back. She like Luke calls out to her, and she you know answers back and rescues him after he gets his hand cut off. Like God, right? So I'm like,
0: if you're gonna be misogynistic, at least be consistent.
2: Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, the, I think one of the perfect moments for me in Avatar is the moment Katara yells at Sokka. Well, you didn't love her like I did, right? Like that moment, people tear her, her apart. Katara. How dare she say that? how dare she say that to her brother oh i'd be so livid that's why i don't like katara Uh, ang yelling at Toph is to me the parallel when she loses appa and ang like lays into Toph. you you never liked appa and oh and and he goes on his tirade and flies off and people are like i get it his dog (laughs) it's appa you know like i understand and i'm like it's katara's mother like we're not rational when we are in those like levels of emotion and we shouldn't be like condemned for those things. Especially with a um, 14 year old too. Like. <laughs> like like who witnessed her mother dying. Right. So, yeah. um, and so I think that's where it's kind of, that's a, to me, a perfect like microcosm of fandoms in the way that they treat male characters versus female characters is this idea of, it's just a, it's a higher standard. It's a higher, they have to do more to prove it to me that they're worthy of being in my space, which is, Exactly. Stupid.
0: And we've we've also mentioned briefly on the show the same thing with, like, a, a lot of people hate on Katara because she supposedly complains about uh, how her mom died, <sighs> as if that's not just, like, a valid thing to complain about, but no one gives Zuko shit for constantly bemoaning his honor and how life has treated him shittily,
1: which it has. They lightly make fun of him for it. It's like more like a running joke. But guitarist, I mean, guitarist kind of turns a bit to a running joke, but it's more like a kind of got a mean edge to it with that
2: Mm -hmm. and majority of the time when she's using that it is a connection piece for another person who has lost something along the way like it's not this like right oh look at me let's center me around it it is a hey you lost your dad he was in prison i'm gonna connect with you haru it was like oh i understand that you lost your mother zuko like let me connect with you about my mom and and like those are the things where it's it's weird how that gets pitched as a as a switch and again it's um you don't see them doing that with male characters so it's i think the the way that we process fiction is indicative of the way that we typically process our real lives of course so if we see us doing that in fiction we need to start recognizing are we doing that in our real lives and Mm. are we doing this to real people because yeah i think that's always my least favorite critique is like it's fiction like why are you worried about it i'm like because like if you are yelling at a six-year-old child who loves Ray, like you're actually doing that in the real world, I like you recognize that, right? Right. So. Cool. Well, with that, yeah.
0: we're going to take a quick break for our ad read, and then we will be back talking about the character parallels and the story parallels between the series. We'll see you then.
1: And we're back. So, character parallels between the series. Um, some people that come to mind are the gang. You know, and Katara, Sokka uh in Toph and later Zuko but right now we're going to talk about the core core three with uh Aang Katara and uh uh, sorry Sokka and uh Luke Han and Leia from the original trilogy uh you know Aang and Luke they have kind of the, the chosen one narrative one's the avatar you know the other ones that normally, I mean, Chosen One technically was Anakin, but, you know, original trilogy. Chosen
0: One not so much by, like, the narrative itself, but just well, actually, not in the narrative. Like, no one ever tells him he's the Chosen One, but he is supposed to be, like, the, one the to, only one yeah. to bring down the Empire supposedly, yeah.
1: Um, And some can argue within, like, you know, uh, Katara and Leia kind of have been, like, the level-headed matriarch of the group that also can be a little, they can be a little hot-headed. Both of them I can definitely see with, like, a little bit of like the hot headedness as well, like you know, don't fuck with them when they're angry either. You know, with the, I'm thinking, I'm I'm having some um, thinking back to like the, I'm completely calm and like the, and then Leia's like, um, what was what was my one of my favorite Leia lines, like Han says like we don't have time to discuss this in the committee, like just you know messing with her, and she's like I am not a committee, <laughs> so <laughs> parts like yeah, that. um, and then uh, Saka and Han being you know. A little bit. I mean, some could argue that like that Han can ha- have some comedic relief moments. I do think that with Sokka and Han's like roles with their humor, like not that Sokka isn't sarcastic. But I feel like Han's is, like a different kind car- kind of sarcasm. I don't know. I like, how, how you guys have how, I mean, how does that sound to you guys? Because like
0: I think I think they come from the same brand of sarcasm for me. That's just kind of how I see it. Mm-hmm. Like again, like we don't have time to to figure this out. Like it's I, that's very much just a Sokka. Thing that he would do. Yeah, you know? good
1: point. I was thinking maybe because I was like maybe because I watched Empire Strikes Back recently, and I was just thinking about like, uh, for instance, when he, like the um, one of the one of the people working for the Re- rebellions, like, yeah, we can't find Luke. Like, he, we think he might have gone into the South Passage Great, why don't you go check it out? Like,
0: exactly. And the and the the <laughs> the fact that Sokka is the the normal guy, not he's a non bender of the group. The same way Han is just a guy with a blaster. Yeah, yeah. Although Sokka is not a, not a bounty hunter or anything, or whatever Han is, I don't know.
1: Smuggler. <laughs> Smuggler, yeah.
2: There's a lot of time that passes between Avatar and Korra, and, you know, the comics don't cover it all, so who knows, Sokka could maybe have gone on a couple bounty hunter missions or... Avatar Studios. Yeah, After- <laughs> answer- answer this. <laughs> I'll watch that story, absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Kind of funny, though, because, like, I mean, I could definitely see now, now that I think of it more with, like, the parallels between Han and Sokka with, like, the, um... Sokka was kind of saying, that's just avatar stuff. Like, it was like from the episode, I think it was in the swamp episode, when like they're trying to, like, he's like, Saka's trying to rationalize, like, oh, the swamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Aang's like, but like, you've seen me do weird stuff. And he's like, that's just avatar it doesn't stuff. Count. Doesn't count. And then, meanwhile, you know, Hans is like, you know, kind of like a with the forest mumbo the jumbo. Force. And that's not <laughs>
0: how the force
1: works. Then... No. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite line. <laughs>
2: Does that make Momo or Appa chewy? Like which one gets to be Chewbacca in this situation?
1: Hmm. I feel like Both. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know where Appa I mean he's obviously not like the C three P or anything, but see the Millennium Falcon? um, Oh, the Millennium (laughs) Falcon.
2: There you go. Appa is the Millennium Falcon, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) There you go. Yoda and Iro, the old like the old wise the
0: wise mentors, Mm. yes, yes. I had noticed a lot of parallels between um, Team Cora, Cora, Mako Bolin, and the sequel trilogy trio, Ray, Poe, and Finn. Um, although Ray, Poe, and Finn, they didn't have a, a love triangle, which thankfully, <sighs> uh, thank God. But I don't know that there's a similar, similar kind of dynamic going on. I feel like Mako and Poe are kind of like like the hot stuff kind of guy, but also very serious and to the point. And Finn and Bolin are the goofy, um, well. Calling Finn Goofy is maybe a little much, but... He has has his moments. He has his moments. He has his moments, but... I'm in
1: charge now, Phasma. I'm in charge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, I also noticed um, Yoda and Guru Patik. A very, very weirdly specific parallel in that in Empire Strikes Back, Luke leaves his training with Yoda early because he gets a vision that Han and Leia are in trouble, and in season two of Avatar, Aang leaves his Avatar state training with Guru Patik early because he gets a vision that Katara is in trouble. And I was like, "Whoa, like that's like extremely specific."
1: I point. I remember pointing that out and kind of blew your mind a little bit when we did. That. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where yeah. this episode got started with me bringing that up.
0: <laughs> Obi Wan and Roku kind of work as as similar mentors for Luke and Aang. And that they are kind of like beyond the grave sort of <laughs> mentors, um, but also like there to like kind of tell them their their place in the story and and what they kind of have to do and and where to go from there, you know. So there's a lot of a lot of parallels I think between there, Luke and Toph as mentors, a lot of similarities there with the tough mentor style of training sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they like both they both have their own ways of messing with the protagonists, like Luke with like the 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 plant thing that he poked at Ray when he's like, that's the force. And then, you know, top with like the boulder in the Hill and all that's like, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, I also wanted to point out with, uh, the parallels between like, uh, you know, Yoda and the guru is that they both have some, ex- you know, a bit of a, like eccentric kind of approach to like, it's like some eccentric moments, but a shit ton of wisdom, you know, like the, what was it, like the banana juice and, uh, like what mm-hmm. was like onions and banana juice or something or whatever the, Uh, The odd thing was, and then, like, you know, Luke having, uh, you know, Luke and he's messing around with Luke and like the R2-D2 and stuff as well. Sorry. Other random moments.
0: Oh, and also, I mean, Luke has that vision uh, with like Darth Vader, right? And him like cutting off the head or something. And Aang has a similar vision of him in Fire Lord Ozai. So that's also, again, (laughs) extremely specific. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of influence here. Um, but I think it's really cool. But with Luke and Toph, I was thinking about it today, I was like, I think these these two characters have a little bit more in common, because when we see them in the sequel trilogy of of their respective series, uh, Luke has sequestered himself because he's shamed for being tempted to kill Ben Solo and losing all the students at the Jedi Temple, and Toph has sequestered herself, supposedly because she covered up Suyin's involvement with a robbery as chief of police, and... Granted, we only know this because this is what Lynn said. So we don't necessarily know that this is the real reason why she left. But going off what Lynn said, it's kind of similar that they have both sequestered themselves because they felt a certain type of shame. Honestly, I think Toph just left because she was... Just tired of everyone's bullshit yeah i just kind of wanted some peace and quiet and maybe luke is kind of feeling the same thing you know a little
2: bit of tough and yoda just going to go live in a swamp you know just hang out and and kick it and not be bothered by others exactly exactly there's also like massive overhaul themes of just like anti-imperialism that that are clearly kind of in both and mm-hmm. um this idea of not being able to do things alone and and though you know one person might have the skill set or the have the calling to be the one that ends it like they don't get to that position to be able to do that without the support of others um it's it's interesting I think a lot of times media art especially fantasy is really just digs into fighting whatever the feeling of oppression is at that moment or that they're seeing that that's really where fantasy comes from like this idea of being in a better space or better world than the writers or creators feel like they are currently in. And so a lot of times I feel like it has those tropes of fighting whatever the oppression is at that time. And so whether it's Star Wars or Avatar or the Maze Runner series or Hunger Games or whatever it might be, it's a lot of that is that feeling of there's some form of injustice that is going on and it needs to be solved and I think it is always kind of it's weird how it's geared towards kids because, it, you know, we're trying to instill hope in those kids and then give them hope as they move forward. But whether it's Avatar or Star Wars or Hunger Games or whatever else it is, it's the kids should not be the ones who are solving these problems. <laughs> like we should exactly. not be putting 14 year olds up on pedestals to say, like, it is your job to take out Fire Lord Ozai as a team. Um, good, good luck. Right. Like So. Right. Um that's that's always one of the things i struggle with in a lot of these is just like oh why are the adults so incapable of doing anything that is supportive
1: i mean hey at least the white lotus like swooped in towards the end there is like don't you know all all old people know each other you know at least we got that but right right. (laughs) the one time
2: (laughs) that's great i do love some king boomy you know Mm -hmm. great fantastic one of my favorite characters so i'm always down for the white lotus White Lotus and Korra, not so much. Uh, it, it, it faded out.
1: No, I mean, well, in season three, they kind of explore a little bit more about the White Lotus, Red Lotus situation. So I, I'll give you that too, yeah.
0: I think I think the White Lotus and Cora is kind of like the stormtroopers in every trilogy. Is like, we're, we're, they're apparently supposed to be like the skilled warriors of their kind, but both are just kind of like, you know, the anti-stormtrooper aim, like that sort of thing. <laughs> like the White Lotus members are piss poor against the equalists in season one of chorus or you're just kind of like where are they finding these people but i will say avatar does a thing that hunger games doesn't that the maze runner doesn't that um any any other story that is like kids finding a big giant evil conglomerate is that avatar does take steps to try to humanize people in the fire nation right i'd say maybe hunger games did it a little bit but not to the extent that avatar did showing people in the fire nation being indoctrinated in the schools and and it's zuko talking about how we were told that we were the best you know force in the world and what an utter lie that was you know so i think in star wars the empire is more or less unequivocally evil although i'm not as well versed as the source material and i'm sure there's that and that could have been something really interesting they could have done in the sequel trilogy like talking about oh my god how I will obviously how finn defected from the stormtroopers and how that could have been cool to bring that back you know like storytelling but i try to avoid um, <laughs>
1: getting i tried to avoid being like the person like oh it would have been so much better if i did that but i'm gonna but like that's the one thing i'm like they said something up with finn in like you know episode yeah. seven There was a scene that was deleted in episode eight with like uh, the stormtroopers hesitating before shooting Finn because, you know, he talked about like what Phasma did with taking down the shields and all that stuff. Great deleted scene. So mad they cut it yeah. out. W- but like, well, that was
0: my one thing in Star Wars, <laughs> because they talked about how the stormtroopers are people that they stole and kidnapped from all over the galaxy. And I'm like, well, there's got to be stories there about people defecting and everything. Right. But
1: like, we have tasted that in Rise of Skywalker. They're like a, a, little, a little baby. A
2: little So there's actually I just read a short story in canon that is about that specifically about uh, it's called it was a short story. It was in one of the magazines came out. It's like TK one four six two or something along those lines. And it's about essentially how he becomes radicalized to want to sign up for the Imperial Army. Um, And it comes from this place of like rebels were looking for, you know, resources and they ended up crashing into his farmhouse and it killed his sister. And so like he was like, ah I hate the rebels, joins the army. spoilers for the short story that most people won't read or be able to find so so, sorry for everyone but um in that process it kind of he ends up going to another planet as they're trying to take over the resources of that as the empire kills this girl's dad she becomes radical radicalized for the rebels through that process so it's a really cool story arc because you don't see that very often in star wars you get characters like tarkin who like they know they're they know what they're doing they like tarkin's one of those people who's kind of like Nope i I believe that I'm right in doing this, but I also recognize that everyone else thinks I'm the villain, and I'm cool with that. Like, I feel like you get a lot of those characters in Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, and not so many who are kind of like, no, yeah. I like I morally think this is the right thing to do.
1: You can get that. There's like a tiny bit of that in Rebels, um, with one of the characters. Um, I can. Do you want me to? Do you want me to spoil it? Or because I know both of you haven't seen. Yeah, Rebels. go ahead. Agent we just, we said spoiler alert. So. Agent Callis, who's kind of a, you know, kind of a secondary, one of the antagonists in Rebels, he has a, uh, there's a really good episode called The Honorable Ones, where he's trapped among members of the main, of the ghost crew, the main crew, um, on this island, basically, in this cave, and they have to survive together. Um, So, like, that, you know, just seeing how that changes something in him, like how he saw, like he said, he genuinely thought he was doing the right thing with being a part of the Empire. Um, And just seeing that, you know, like I said, like you said, uh, you know, Sunshine, that this doesn't happen very often in Star Wars media, but it does happen, you know, in, uh, you know, in Rebels. Sorry, call me for the name of this. Material. I'm
2: excited to get to Rebels. That's one that uh, pretty much everyone who's like been commenting on this canon journey I've gone on is like, you're going to like Rebels. And I, I'm stoked because, yeah, I know nothing about Rebels. um, And so I'm pretty excited to get there as well, mm-hmm. knowing that there's so many characters that show up that, you do know throughout kind of that process of like Captain Rex and Ahsoka and a few others. And so I'm excited mm-hmm. to get to it. Yeah. But I'm also super stoked for the Bad Batch. I saw the trailer for uh, that. Oh, yes. And I was, oh, it looks I'm, so good. I'm in. I'm so in.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. It looks more like it's going to be called the Dad Batch at this rate based off of that trailer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there were a couple other character parallels I put down here. Um, I think there's a little something here between Susan Broku and Anakin Obi Wan both Sozin and Anakin kind of fell to the dark side although i feel like Anakin had a little bit more reason to Sozin just kind of wanted the power um and i'd be interested to see if there's more parallels coming up in this Obi-Wan Disney Plus series but um they're they're sort of both of the relationships sort of ended up in this this big either event or confrontation
1: i just wanted to say with uh this with the parallel between like Sozin and Anakin like yeah he originally did start out doing it to save Padme but like you can literally see it in Revenge of the Sith. When I mean, I, okay, I know there's, uh, you know, bad acting, blah, 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 whatever. Get that crap out of the way. You can see how it twists from, like, saving you to we can rule the galaxy together. And then as soon as she says no, then he's like, okay, well, you know what? Forget the fact that I'm trying to save you. <laughs> I'm going to force choke you now. That's true. It goes from, like, you can literally see the transition from, like, Anakin with a lone tear going down his cheek, realizing what he's done, to, like, we can rule the galaxy. Nope, you don't want to join me? You're, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy and, you know, that whole thing, yeah. so... You could, yeah, eventually Anakin definitely transformed into the wanting power for sure.
0: Sure, and and I mean, technically sozen is is the reason we had Avatar the Last Airbender, unfortunately, because of the Airbender genocide, and Anakin as Darth Vader is also kind
2: of how we started the original trilogy, so there's a little
0: bit of a parallel
1: there. Order 66 and the slaughter of, you know, of the Jedi and the Airbender right. genocide as well.
2: I also think you get this kind of like the through the original trilogy Zuko and um. Zuko and Vader kind of share this like bad guy to like, hopefully redeemed arc. um, which I don't love that I don't love Vader's re- redemption arc. i'm I am on the fence. when it comes to people who are like, does does everyone need a redemption arc? I'm very much on the like, no.
0: yes. <laughs> yes, I agree. I think
2: I think everyone is worthy of being redeemed. Like I will lay that out on the line. like as human beings, everyone is capable of redemption everyone has that ability but i also like accountability (laughs) so like as people are doing things i'm like as long as they're held accountable and so to me it's almost kind of like another point of of i'm gonna get back to kind of like the misogyny of things of like people so easy to like forgive vader by the time that everything's all said and done like by the end of of six um Oh, no, he sacrificed himself, and like, no, he's good. And so we're stoked.
1: see, Hannah Christian said um, again as Anakin. Like, Anakin, uh, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah.
2: Anakin pops up at the end because the digital remastered everything. I'll
1: right? Kumbaya at the end with the Ewoks, you know.
2: <laughs> but then we, uh, I look at like uh, Azula and the way that people kind of view her character arc, who I think she's got like so much trauma and so many reasons that she turns out the way that she does. And I think mm-hmm. people still just like write her off as like, She's crazy. She doesn't deserve a redemption. arc. She's crazy. She needs to like go down there. Like, and so it's it's again, it's an interesting parallel to see how people talk about male characters and talk about female characters and the way that they engage with things like mental health. Um, right. Yeah. So.
0: I've heard both camps with Azula. I've heard people wanting a redemption arc for her because of the trauma that was inflicted upon her. But I I understand. I I can see that. I I think I just enjoy her so much as a villain that part of me doesn't want i know i I, she kind of does get one in the comics as far as i've heard but um part of me is just like i don't feel like she needs i i think she needs one in terms of like her dealing with all this trauma that ozai inflicted on her but from a story it's just me being selfish like i just love being seeing azula being a villain but i'm i'm totally with you sunshine i do not think Every villain needs a redemption arc. Yeah. I completely agree.
2: I agree. I love Azula, the way her story arc goes, even through the comics, because I, I would argue she she still gets to stay kind of the villain through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a very big difference between having empathy for people like you could always have empathy for people, but again, still hold people accountable. Right. So that doesn't mean that you it's just automatic like and, and you nothing is wrong, even though you murdered all those younglings, Vader, like that's I'm still going to like go back to that. I was like, he killed children. I don't like he had to be in a very specific place to kill that many children. Right. Um <laughs> I don't think he deserves a redemption arc. I think he, I think he's a bad guy. I'm gonna Just put him as a bad guy.
1: I think, yeah, yeah. The, the only way, like the probably the only ways he could have redeemed, atoned for his actions was to die, and to die yeah, to save the galaxy. That's I. I'm not saying he's fully redeemed, but like that's a way he can atone. The, the probably one of the best and one of the only ways he could atone for his sins. Like, what could he do if like they managed to defeat the emperor and Darth Vader was still alive; he'd be executed or sent to prison or something, you know. So.
0: I I semi agree only because of how they tr- attempted to redeem Kylo Ren. Oh,
1: no. I know that is
0: also kind of similar to Azula in that Kylo Ren is a product of extreme manipulation and a, and I can I can see that. However, comma <laughs> there is a lot of things that he did as his time as Kylo Ren that I don't feel like him having a change of heart and then dying is enough of an well first of all it's not an arc but it's also not enough of a redemption for me because the film is is making me try to forgive this character for all the things he's done because he died and I'm like I don't know he he killed a lot of people like and and he was the supreme ruler for for a year or whatever like I don't even know what he did in in that time you know mm-hmm. so but I, I'm I'm with you, sunshine. I never, I've never said anything about the Darth Vader redemption arc because I never wanted to be the target of a witch hunt, but I just, I never, um, I was like, yeah, it, it, it was, it was kitschy and like kind of what I expected in like a kid's movie. You know, I never took it like that seriously or seen it as, as, you know, deep as maybe like a redemption arc, like Zuko's because that is much more sprawling and much more, it goes in a lot deeper than with Vader. But I wonder maybe if we got to spend more time with Vader, maybe it would have worked out better than it did, but I don't know. It's it's It was just always kind of a, a thing for me. Like I never quite understood it.
2: This is so weird because I'm not like, this is not advocating for people to die, right? Like through these conversations of what we want. Um, yeah. But one of my favorite arcs for villains, honestly, is is Amon's uh, in, in Korra and Tarloks. Um, like if we're talking about the way that like Tarlock kind of atones for the, his sins of his past and like the mm-hmm. ending of season one, like to this moment, I'm like, Oh, that is tragic. I feel like Tarlock made the right move and uh, spoilers to everyone on core. Are we, we said we were we, good on those. Yeah. So I think blowing yourself up was the right move. Tarlock. Like that's where I kind of land on that, but it's also like super tragic, but I love that arc because it is more of this. Like none of them come out of that looking as good guys. Again, you, you understand the empathy of how they turned out that way. But a lot of mistakes, a lot of people hurt throughout that process between the two of them. So when you see them kind of go out that way, you're kind of like, okay, that's, yeah, that's, that's not kind of fair, right? Like yeah. that sucks, but like, I, I get it, right? So, yeah, um, but I love Amon's arc in general. And again, with Tarlok, I think that that's a, I think that's a really good way to do it. So again, that's one of those moments when people complain about the writing of core. I'm like, God, I don't see it. I don't see how people can be upset with it. I don't
0: see it either. And I think the reason also for Amon is because, it's it's hard to imagine Amon being anything other than what he was. The same way I I couldn't imagine Vader being anything but Darth Vader. So in that way, him dying works for some people, and to agree to a degree, it does for me. But Amon, I mean, what does a re- rehabilitated Amon look like? Like I don't think that could ever be a possibility. And I think his brother saw that. Like I think in that moment, Tarlac Looked at what was happening and realized he's hurt so many people and probably killed some too. I I need to put, as he says, put an end to this tragic story, right? And I mean, apart from being a stinking politician and capturing the avatar, you know, Tarlock is 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 a little more innocent than Amon ever will be. But I agree. I was it, in some ways, it's kind of like I I could see Tarlock. If if he didn't die on that boat, I could see him then bringing him back and being a part of Team Korra. Like I could definitely see that happening. But uh, the I think linking him with Amon's fate was ultimately the the best decision. I
2: mean, it's tough because I feel like he was. He, you see him kind of going down the same road. The moment where he is willing to imprison every non bender in Republic City, if it means mm-hmm. that he gets to hold on to his power. Like that is a, that is a dark path that he was pretty quickly easily to be able to be like, Nope, I'm down for this. All of them arrest them. And I'm happy and I'm cool with that. Right. So like there's, yeah, it's a, you start seeing the struggle of where, where people want power, people want to be in control. And, uh, almost like with the Sith, like there's no way to, there's no way to do that forever. There's no way Mm -hmm. to have complete control forever. And that's ultimately people's downfall. So
0: that's a very good point. Very good point. Mm -hmm. Um, Kayla, you want to move on to like the plot parallels and the writing parallels between the series?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, both worlds, you know, both, uh, you know, both universes, Avatar and Star Wars are very, you know, developed with their world building. Uh, You know, I mean, Avatar is about to probably get the same, a a similar amount of world building that Star Wars already has. But both have very rich worlds that, let's be honest, you both want to like be. I think I I don't know about you guys, but I definitely would want to like live in like either one of those worlds. Like it just seems really it just seems like a cool place. It feels lived in.
0: <laughs> yeah, it feels lived in. That's a, that's a good word for it. And that's why I love The Mandalorian so much that it feels like, oh, we're finally taking time to stop down and feel out this this world, this galaxy, right? Which you don't really get to do that in the movies. And I think that's why some people have a hard time kind of like resonating with that world. It's like, because it's like very futuristic and, and spacey and sci-fi, whatever. But I mean, in The Mandalorian, you're seeing all these places and you're just like, it does feel like, People are living in this galaxy day to day trying to make things work. Obviously, the Star Wars galaxy is a lot more sprawling and 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 wide than perhaps the Earth in, in Avatar, the version of Earth that's in Avatar. But I mean, I don't know. I would also say there's different magic systems at play with with different series. I think obviously um, Avatar is a lot more focused, particularly with its bending and its history and Star Wars is also very much the force and and um... mysterious
1: the force is definitely a lot more mysterious and it's got like a little yeah bit, I, kinda, I think some of like there's not really like set mm, there might be some set rules, but I can't really think of too many like big rules on the force, really, Like, because it mm-hmm. I mean just depends on what you're what you're watching and what character is using it um and then you know, with Avatar, you know, like you said, there's the history to it, and then there's like the the techniques, the philosophy is behind each form of bending, you know?
0: Right, right. And I, w- I would also say, too, that that both the force and the bending system in, in the series, they sort of dictate the hierarchy of the world and, and, and plays a very natural role in the world. And I would say, in Avatar specifically, I think the world is tailored to benders, which is a power dynamic that's explored in Korra, which I love. But, um, but the force, I mean, it could... It could happen to anybody. Let's say you know anybody anybody could could learn to use the force that they wanted to. Not so much not so much with bending, you know.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like both give a sense of privilege to the users that get to use them. Right? We see the mm-hmm. force get used for power. We see bending get used for power, and we see these structures come in that are in support of that. And so it almost is this idea of like kind of the privilege that we know of. Um, of what it means you know to have money or to have whiteness or to have cisness and in, in the way that we are navigating the world is almost kind of like those things and recognizing how those privileges build structures because um, we see both in avatar korra star wars that's where the the tension comes from is those mm-hmm. those structures getting built and put in place and then we see the struggles that come with that um, for those that don't have those privileges like I think about the people who live on like the lower levels of Coruscant yeah they are not force users or at least were never developed force users or never figure out how to have that and they're they are starving right and we see that in Republic City and we see that uh, throughout the Earth Nation when you see like the power structures between like the queen yeah. all the way in Bossing Say. Se so um, kind of in all of these things we kind of see what those structures look like and that classism that develops because of the privileges that are available for the subsets of, of people in that, uh, in those worlds.
0: Absolutely. And there's, there's also duality in, in the force and the bending is that both systems have their physical side and their spiritual side. I mean, in La- last Jedi Rey is like, it's just a bunch of rocks. Like, you know, it's just, it's just something that you can like throw rocks with. Right. And then Luke was like, no, it's in every living thing. It's a part of this world. And, and that's where that's where Iroh also comes into play like bending is not just punching and kicking and and whatever it's all comes from you comes from within and especially with with fire bending which is the only the only element that is self-generated right it requires a lot of that balance that you, that you see a lot with the force and how that can be manipulated and taken advantage of as well um some smaller ones we talked about how like the second season kind of mirrors empire strikes back uh, they both kind of end kind of like, a oh, no, what's going to happen next? Um I said Bossing Site is maybe an ad- analog to Cloud City, like um how there's like, you know, there's something happening underneath that we don't really know. And it's a new location that comes halfway through the series that will play a bigger role. So
1: there might be a slight parallel between like, um I don't know, I'd be grasping at straws, but kind of the same kind of downer feel for like the day of the Black Sun, where, like their plan does not go well um but also honestly you can even find some like similarities between the battle at crate yeah. with um the resistance basically just not even it's not even just a battle it's just trying to serve you know trying to get out of there you know um you know it turns from like facing down against the first order head to head like at the beginning of the movie and it goes to surviving and then it goes from like you know like an avatar goes from going head to head with the it fire nation but they already know their plans so you get the plan to get out of there you know i just thought of that just now
0: <laughs> yeah i think i think the battle of crate parallels day of black Sun a lot more because both of those situations is like we have to leave in order to fight another day yeah i didn't that's very interesting kayla
2: nice pull yeah well
0: done
1: Thanks. Just thought of that right now. Did
0: not that <laughs> <down>. <laughs> um, I think we we also mentioned uh like like the chosen one prophecy of Anakin bringing balance to the Force and how the Avatar is destined to bring balance to the world. Um, Order sixty six and Sozin's comet. I mean, those are pretty big major events that kickstarted the series. Also, unfortunately, involved a lot of genocide. Um. But, I mean, you could also say, I was also thinking, like, maybe the citizen's Comet and, like, the Death Star could kind of also be kind of tied in terms of, like, weapons of mass destruction. And then, uh, I think, Sunshine, you mentioned this earlier, talking about how the imperialist governments of the Fire Nation and the Empire, um, I mean, they're they're both imperialistic governments that colonize and enslave people, and definitely an analog to real-world um, systems and and, you know, governments. Um, And I also noticed that the Fire Nation and the Empire both seem to be a lot more technologically advanced than everyone else in the, in the, in the world.
1: The Rebellion and the Resistance seem to be a bit more scrappier, you know, mm-hmm. in comparison mm-hmm. to the Empire and the First Order.
0: Yeah. Um, But I think other than that, that was, that was the plot parallels we had. I know there's a bunch more, but I was writing all of these and being like, oh, my God, there is a lot here that i feel definitely probably an influence for break
2: oh you gotta imagine absolutely that you know i think star wars for most creators who are building fantasy was probably a a stepping stone of at least the of ideas and kind of basing that off of but and again it kind of goes back to all fantasy typically leads in this place of wanting to create a better world than the one that you're seeing and so right and we all live on earth and so we've all kind of seen this this imperialism and the way that it affects the world around us and the people around us and so i think that's got yeah that has to be a big driving force in creating these things absolutely
0: yeah um kayla you've compiled this list of avatar voice actors who've also been in star wars do you want to take us through that really quickly
1: yeah uh i tend to be the kind of person that's like relatively good at picking up where i've heard (laughs) someone's voice before or seen someone before uh you know i'm very good at the get like something like the six degree of the kevin bacon thing um very good at my brother and i do that each other all the time it's so funny but anyway the list of voice actors that i have who have been in star wars most notably is mark hamill who who is the voice of the fire lord um he's also known for playing the joker and most notably luke skywalker uh and also i was literally watching an episode of rebels today and i was like first of all dante bosco's got one of the most like recognizable voices out there so he was in an episode of the rebels i think he might be in like maybe two episodes in the entire series so very small character but very recognizable voice so i had to put him down um also there's gray delisle who uh is the voice of azula and a bunch of other characters on avatar smaller characters um and she has a shit ton of roles in Star Wars media, like too many for me to list here. She's been in a lot of video games for Star Wars, but probably the most notable out of all of them is the fact that she voiced mm-hmm. Padme in the 2002 Clone Wars series and so not the ones that, you know, not the, you know, the, the one that we, that we know better. It's the 2D animated one. Um, and I've mentioned this probably 50 times on the podcast, but Dee Bradley Baker, who's the voice of Appa, Momo, Councilman Tarlock, and Plenty of other voices in the Avatar of the universe that I haven't mentioned here.
0: Probably a lot of of background voices. Yeah, a lot yeah. of
1: background voices and animals and things like that. Also, I think he also voices Naga. I think in uh, in Korra as well. Um, but he is the voice of every single clone in Clone Wars, and like that's that is impressive. That batch is probably gonna be mostly him talking to himself. Not gonna lie.
0: I just want to impress upon people how hard it must be to be in that recording booth and switching between eight, like eight different voices and having no one to play off of except for yourself. Like well done D Bradley Baker.
2: Well, especially all the clones that are supposed to be like relatively similar, but they have to have different voices enough to where like you can tell them apart. So it's not these like overhauled changes for D Bradley. Like it is these just very subtle tweaks for each of those characters. So to remember all of those has to be insanely hard. Um, yeah. But he's crushing it. Yeah, he he does great stuff. Dante Basco also narrates all the, uh, there's like a series of digital shorts that are technically canon that are a mm. lot of recaps. Um, it's like Galaxies of Adventure or something like that, but he narrates all those as well. Um, oh. So he's all over the place. Good old Rufio. That's
0: awesome. Um, and this one's not a voice actor, but Dave Filoni, uh, whose credits in Star Wars include executive producing Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, and the mandalorian also a director storyboard artist writer and character designer on avatar the last airbender i did not know this until we started watching the show and his name kept popping up in the credits i was like oh my god fucking dave filoni worked on this how awesome is that
1: that was the coolest thing i remember hearing something a little bit about dave filoni Mm -hmm. like being involved with avatar but like Uh, you know, today was like the first time I knew exactly how involved he was with Avatar just getting started. I mean, he didn't have any credits for like, I think he maybe had one credit for season two. I think it was storyboard. Right. But uh, he kind of falls off the Avatar map after that because I think by then, like by that point, he probably started developing stuff for Clone Wars because Clone Wars came out in 2008. So. And there's
2: a lot of parallels. I think like all the, a lot of things that, the reason I think people love Avatar is a lot of the, all the stories have just a lot of heart to them. And I think Clone Wars does that really well. A lot of positive messaging, a lot of heart, a lot of charm. Yeah. Um, I think Dave Filoni kind of nails that typically in whatever he's making. And so we're all big fans of Filoni. We
0: stand. Him in that cowboy hat, we stand. Um, cool. Well, let's move on to fandom Corner. Um, no. Caleb found this yeah. and it's a Tumblr post. Go figure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's always a Tumblr post. Green.
1: It's always time. 80% of the fandom corners, it's Tumblr <laughs> post or a meme from like Instagram or something, which is probably screenshotted from Tumblr.
0: So it <laughs> says, I'm rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender, and you know what I just realized I really want? A prequel story about Kana, aka Grand Grand. This is a woman who, when she was barely older than Katara, left her home, escaping from an arranged marriage and traveled across the entire world, presumably alone most of the time in the midst of a worldwide war. I didn't know I needed this and, until I read this. Absolutely.
1: Avatar Studios get on this. Get on
0: it. This would make a great get on I it. I've said like I would love like a mini series anthology, how every episode is like a different avatar and we kinda just pop into their time periods for a quick story. But I would love like an anthology series of just about like a bunch of different characters like Grand Grand that we don't know a lot about. Like it tells of bossing say, but they each get their own episode and it kind of goes their own thing like how cool would that be like it can start with grand grand telling k- young katara and sokka a story of her adventure and it like, goes into the actual adventure like i would
2: absolutely watch that 100 percent, 100 percent.
0: uh any thoughts kayla before we move on to weekly recommendations
1: i mean i think everything's been said like <laughs> you know give give me i'd like i'd like some development on grand grand please and thank you you know you know even like even if it's like not like a series i just want something i want like you know maybe like a even if it's like a comic or a you know like a you know a, mm-hmm. like a you know com- or maybe they could do something like star wars is done with a certain point of view like i don't know if you've heard of that but they have like it's uh basically just short stories from different parts of the galaxy at the same time that the movies took place since they had one for um you know new hope and empire strikes back and i don't know when the return of the jedi one's supposed to come out but they've done things on like the perspective of like one of the stormtroopers who captured princess leia you know um things like that so i i'd, I'd want to see that even if th- it was in that format you know
0: that definitely could grand, be interesting. grand stories yeah <laughs> cool all right yes. uh weekly recommendations very quickly um i absolutely have to recommend montero call me by your name by Lil nas x it's been causing a shitstorm on all social media and i for one love it go watch the video it's a it's a Dope ass song, I absolutely love it. Go check it out.
1: I listened to like Old Town Road. That's the only thing I know by Lil Nas X. But like the video, mm-hmm. I don't, I love the video for it so much, and I think everyone's talked it to death about how good that video is. So just want to chime in with my thoughts on that. My recommendation this week, because I've been watching a lot of Star Wars to get ready for this episode, is Clone Wars and Rebels. I gotta squish them together because they are both really good series. They really are. I like you know Clone Wars has like. You know, it's it honestly, it's probably one of the reasons why I love the prequels so, like as mu- like even more than I did as a kid mm. is just because like how much like it just enhances what's already been given. Um, and then Rebels, like it really, honestly, it expands like the universe, like the Force and things like that in ways that we hadn't seen before. And you know, especially with like Kanan being uh, a Jedi who survived Order sixty six and wasn't able to complete his training, like he's a different perspective on the Force and like. Also, I just love Found family dynamics. I am a sucker for those. So, like, I just love watching it for like the ghost the ghost crew's chemistry with each other. Like, both shows are so good. I couldn't just pick one to recommend this week. Both of them, because I've been watching both of them. I love
0: how I love how y- you try to stay on topic, and meanwhile, I'm like, go watch the video of the guy dancing down a stripper pole into hell. Love hey,
1: <laughs> it's recommendations for the week. Like, you know, this, okay. is, what, this is the hot stuff of the week. I got Your hot you. stuff was Montero. Mine was uh, <laughs> Clone Wars and Rebels. I got you.
0: <laughs> Sunshine, do you have uh, uh, any recommendations for our listeners to check out? Could be Star Wars, could be Avatar or something else?
2: Sure, yeah. So it was speaking on the, the 03 Clone Wars, the original. So the uh, the creator of that, uh, Tardakovsky did a show uh, called Primal that was on Cartoon Network Adult Swim um similar animation style it's about a caveman and his t-rex wow. going and surviving um there's no dialogue and it is absolutely incredible wow. so that's my i watched that earlier this week and I, I can't recommend it enough
0: cool and those are our weekly recommendations
1: um well if you'd like to support us in the show while also also receiving some fun benefits and exclusive content uh consider subscribing to us at patreon.com slash the avatar hour podcast However, if you're not able to support us with monthly donations, you can subscribe to us for free whenever you get your podcasts from and leave a review if you can do that on your platform. Absolutely.
0: And if you'd like to send us feedback about the show or send in submissions for Phantom Corner, you can email us at theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Avatar Hour Podcast or on Twitter at Avatar Hour. Uh Sunshine, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you host uh, Bending Not Breaking, uh, which is your own Avatar Podcast. Where can people listen to that?
2: Yeah, so you can find Bending Not Breaking wherever you listen to podcasts as well. And then BNB underscore pod is our handle for Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, all of the things. So BNB underscore pod is a great place to find us.
0: Awesome. Well, we had an absolutely lovely time talking to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and talk to us about Avatar and Star Wars. So much fun.
2: Absolutely loved it. Thank you all so much for having me. Absolute joy. Thank you so much.
0: All right, so we will be back next week with our continuous recap of Avatar The Last Airbender Season 2. Don't forget to check out Bending Not Breaking. But cool. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Andre.
1: And I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.